Our reading passage today is from Luke 14. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Amen. Thanks, Grant. You, you did an amazing job. We gave Grant a short passage today. So for his, the first time he reads, he gets a short one. That's good. All right. Uh, so today we're continuing a series we're calling Well, Not Crazy. Uh, and for those of you who haven't been with us, we believe that uh, following Jesus should make you well and not crazy. And so we're going through uh, a couple, of, a series of Christian practices, but also a series of passages that help us to orient ourselves well around the person of Jesus so that we can step into life, to step into health, that we could both grow closer to Jesus in a spiritual sense, but also to become both uh, mentally and emotionally more healthy as well. Because uh, we had this premise earlier in the series that essentially said that if you're not growing more mentally and emotionally well, uh, along with growing spiritually well, then you're probably not actually growing spiritually well. Does that make sense? And so we've been on this journey the last few days. Last week we talked about the role that community serves in the life of the church, the role that other people play in our process of becoming uh, fully devoted followers of Jesus as we grow up into the image of Christ. And this week, we are talking about this idea of hospitality. Hospitality. Now, you might be saying, hospitality, that's a strange thing for you to want to cover. Uh, how in the world does hospitality make me well? How does it make me a more fully orbed picture of the person that Jesus wants me to become? Well, I'm glad you asked, because I have an answer for you. See, I can write what you think into my notes and then just assume that you're thinking it, and, and then I just proceed as though you are thinking it. So today, we're going to talk about why, as followers of Jesus, it is important for us, it is necessary for us, actually, to practice hospitality, both to one another and to those outside of our uh, regular spheres of influence, maybe is a good way of putting it. Now, hospitality is this incredibly powerful spiritual practice. Some of us think that uh, hospitality is just like having the right amount of gourds and pumpkins on the, on the table uh, during, during the fall season. I know that's the season we like to put like plastic uh, leaves that are different colors on our doors and wreaths and things of that nature. We have a whole uh, Tupperware thing, not a Tupperware thing, but a whole bin of wreaths in our basement that we switch out for seasons and it drives me nuts, <laughs> to be honest with you. But this, this is kind of some of the things that we assume uh, go into or are involved in hospitality. But that turns out not to be the case, right? Um, you do not have to be uh, an amazing cook to be incredibly hospitable. You do not have to be an amazing uh, party planner in order to be hospitable. You do not have to have the perfect home you're, you, in order to be hospitable. The hospi hospitality that we're talking about today is something that comes from the heart and makes other people feel a certain way, right? It's, this, it's the nature of the ways in which we extend ourselves to others 
out of love for God and out of love for them. This, this hospitality has nothing to do with your punch recipe, though you should still make that punch and bring it in because I love punch. The fact is, biblical hospitality empowered by the love of Jesus that dwells in our hearts is a requirement for Christians. It is not optional. And I would argue that hospitality is this simple practice. It's this, it's this kind of easy practice because the ways in which we do it are pretty simple. We do it around the dinner table, right? We do it as we invite people into our homes or on us or, or into our, just our own spaces. As we, as we invite people into those places, we're doing it with, the, if we're doing it with the warmness and with the love, the warmth and love of Christ, then there's something transformative that takes place there, something supernatural even as we extend ourselves to other people. Can you remember growing up what it was like to walk into a home that was not your own and to feel utterly comfortable and at ease in that place. Do you remember that feeling? You probably still have it from time to time. Maybe it was your grandmother's home. My grandma made um, cinnamon rolls from scratch up in Clear Lake every time we went up there. And she would always be up earlier than us. And I woke up really early as a child. And so I would be the first grandkid up. We had like 50 of us. So there was a lot of cinnamon rolls to be made. Uh, and I just remember like walking down the stairs, they had the creaky old wood stairs in this cottage, and, uh, and smelling that and seeing that and just feeling and knowing that I was utterly at home. It was not my home, it was not technically the place that I lived, but I was warmly welcomed and received in that place. And the cinnamon rolls were not the thing in and of themselves that made me feel that way, but they were a demonstration of that love and, and that openness, that reception to me. Does that make sense? And it is this type of love that we are being called to as the body of Christ, knowing how to make people feel warmly welcomed and received, enveloped, uh, encircled in the love of God in this special and true way. Biblical hospitality is this type of thing. But in our culture, right, this is not something that comes naturally to us anymore Let's not kid ourselves, right? We live in this world where we have big yards and privacy fences, and we would assume or we would prefer to just leave each other alone, right? I was watching a video online, and a guy sat down next to another person on the subway in New York, and he started talking to that person, and the person went, what are you doing? Like, don't talk to me. I was, I think I was on Twitter the other day, and I saw this uh, little quote. I think I have it up on the screen. It says, um, my first instinct when I see an animal is to say hello. My first instinct when I see a person is to avoid eye contact and hope it goes away. <laughs> right? This, if we're being honest with ourselves, is the spirit of the age in America, right? It kind of captures how we all feel in public. We've all been walking down the street and had this, this mental kind of dialogue going through our head. We see that person who, or maybe we know them, maybe we don't, but in our head we're just going, please don't come over and talk to me. Please don't come over and talk to me. We just take our eyes, we put them down and to the left, right? And we just kind of walk past and hope and pray. We're putting off a vibe that says, don't come near me without having to say it, Right? This is how many of us function, but this is not 
the type of mindset or the type of attitude that the Christian is called to cultivate. It's just not the attitude we are called to cultivate. We are called to a different type of orientation in the world towards other people. But before we really talk about uh, biblical hospitality, I just want to take one quick step back and define hospitality for us, because it could, uh, when I say that word, uh, it's been kind of taken by things like big fancy hotels and stuff like that, right? The maitre d' is very hospitable. Uh, what I'm talking about is something slightly different than that. The Greek word uh, that's translated hospitality in, um, in your Bibles is a word called uh, which is a really difficult one to pronounce. It was hard for me. It, it took like 10 minutes for me to get it down, and I still probably don't. Uh, but it's uh, polixnia, which, means showing ki- which just means showing kindness to strangers, right? It just means to show kindness to strangers. But biblically, this word probably has a little bit of a broader, um, a broader range of meaning because hospitality in, in the Bible is meant to be showed to strangers, yes, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But it's also something that needs to, to uh, run through or permeate the church. In 1 Peter 4, verses 8 through 12, this is what Peter says, Above all, maintain an intense love for each other, since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining, which is funny. Based on the gifts each one has received, use it to serve others as good managers of the varied grace of God. So, Peter is saying specifically in this passage that we are called to be hospitable to one another, right? That hospitality most certainly has to, um, has to break out of our normal kind of peer circles, but it also has to be cultivated in and amongst ourselves, right? We have to learn how to extend and to be hospitable, how to love one another well in the way that we welcome people into our own spaces, into our own homes, into our own lives. Now, this passage, you can open your Bibles back up to Luke 14, the passage that Grant read. This passage in Luke 14, I think, is a really great example for us of how, how hospitality works and how in the kingdom Jesus begins to reorient the ways in which we extend hospitality. Because Jesus goes right at this idea that there's this common way that we um, express hospitality. There's this normal way that we will, uh, we will accept people into our personal spaces and into our lives. And then there's a way that we don't often like to do it. And Jesus kind of uh, tweaks the culture of his day a little bit. And he, honestly, he tweaks the nose of a Pharisee a little bit in this passage. And he begins to reorient for us and tell us how it is that we should accommodate other people in our midst. Does this make sense? So, this little parable in uh, Luke 14 is found within this larger section of Scripture where Jesus is invited over to a Pharisee's house for dinner, right? It, he, he, there's actually kind of three sections that happen within this passage, and Jesus is making different points for this Pharisee at each of these different sections. So the passage we're looking at today is uh, really being directly addressed. Jesus actually turns to the Pharisee and says to him what, what, what Grant read in our teaching text for today. So Jesus is saying this directly to a person who has invited him over for a meal, right? This Pharisee has invited Jesus over for a meal, and Jesus says this to him. 
Now, the reason this is important is because in the first century, you did not invite anyone over to your house that you didn't want to publicly approve of, right? So, in order to, uh, to anyone who invited someone over to their home, it was tantamount to saying that I approve of this person, right? I, I, I endorse them, okay? Which is fascinating because the one thing that was weighed against Jesus over and over again was that he was a friend of tax collectors and sinners, that he ate with people that were disreputable, right? Because in the first century, if you did that, it was tantamount to saying that I approve of this person in that culture. And so the Pharisee is doing something here that you would expect him to do. He is gathering his friends, all of his Pharisee friends, and he invites Jesus to this meal because Jesus is... Um, creating a little bit of, st- of a stir in the Galilee at this time. And this Pharisee probably wants to bring Jesus in close and uh, invite him to a meal and get him, ha- let him rub shoulders with some of his friends. And maybe we can just kind of smooth out some of the things that are going on <laughs> in, in Israel at this time that are kind of swirling around Jesus. And yet Jesus doesn't really want to play ball, <laughs> does he? He kind of throws it back at this Pharisee in a way that I think is really, really interesting. Jesus uses this party to make a point, right? He he uses this opportunity to make some really clear points about the way in which his kingdom or his kingdom people need to be oriented around others, the ways in which uh, kingdom people or Jesus people uh, interact with the world or interact with those uh, they come into contact with. And he makes clear that the ways in which we do that is a little bit different than the way that this Pharisee was choosing to interact with people, right? So, looking at this passage, uh, one of the first things we realize is that Jesus seems to point out to this Pharisee and to us that people are naturally predisposed to favor our own that we are naturally predisposed to favor our own people over and above the people who aren't our people. Now, in your head, you know who your people are, right? When I say that, I say, who are your people? You probably have an image in your head of who those people are. And those people are, it's quite easy for you to live in community and and extend hospitality to your people, isn't it? Because you like them, because they're your people, right? And this is kind of what Jesus is saying, beginning in verse 12. uh, Jesus said to his host, right? So he says directly to the Pharisee, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do I, we'll just stop there. When I think luncheon, I think little tea sandwiches, and it's hilarious for me to think of Jesus at a little tea with little tea sandwiches. It's not Elizabethan, but you know what I mean. Uh, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. Don't invite, in, in short, don't invite your people. If you do, they may invite you back. And then you will be repaid. This is a very strange thing. Don't invite the rich people or the, the privileged people. Don't, infront, don't invite your friends. Because then they'll invite you back to their house. And then you get another meal. This is a strange thing for Jesus to take issue with, isn't it? Why is he saying this? But this is true, right? That we naturally want to involve the people who are already our people in our lives, don't we? We, those are the people I'm comfortable with. Those are the people who I know won't say that thing that really gets on my nerves. Those are the people who I can r- relax around, right? And so I want to 
I want to relax and I want to be comfortable. And so I want my people in my sphere of influence, right? I want my people in my home. I don't want people that might make me uncomfortable. And yet Jesus runs against this, doesn't he? For some strange reason, he says that that's not what we're supposed to do. That was a high, that was a high voice there. Uh, he says, do. That's not what we are called to as Christians. We are not called simply, now Jesus is, this is a parable, right? So he's speaking in very kind of black and white terms. We are not called only to favor those who are in our spheres already. We are called in some real and true sense to engage people who are not our people, right? We are called to do that in some real and true sense. And you know, this is really helpful for us because I think we've all been very comfortable in our setting before, right? With our own friends and with our own family and with our own people. And if we're not careful, what happens is the, the circle of our influence begins to narrow and narrow and narrow, and we begin to know less and less people, right? And we begin to know less and less people who might think differently than us. We, we begin to uh, not have to really extend hospitality, warmth, care. We forget to, uh, how to accommodate the needs of others because everybody in our circle is just the people we like, and we're all comfortable, and we know what to do. And like, I know what food allergy that person has, and I don't want to have to ask that other person what their food allergy is. And there's all of these issues, right? But if we're not careful, if we're not careful with the ways in which we associate with other people, if we're not careful to, at times, broaden the circle of our influence, to invite others into, the, into our lives with hospitality, what happens is our circle begins to shrink. Our influence begins to shrink. And we begin to become people, probably, who just think one way. And we're only ever hanging out with people who think the same way we do. And we're only ever extending uh, love and care to people who we've, we know already are in our lives. And yet there's something true about the kingdom of God that's, that, that kind of blows up that uh, paradigm. There's something specific about the kingdom of God that kind of separates us from a need to just be with our people and needs to like kind of push out the borders of what it means to extend love to people. Because in the kingdom of God, everyone is deserving of that love, not just the people who are close to us. Now, Jesus says something interesting. Don't invite the rich. Don't invite, the, uh, don't invite your brothers and sisters, because then they'll invite you back over to your house, and it'll just become this kind of like feedback loop, right? This is what we get mad about of like, if you ever hear on the news, East Coast elites, you ever hear that term? Probably not. But uh, if you ever watch Gilmore Girls, it's all of those people. Uh, and the, the problem with that is that they all just throw parties all the time. If you watch Gilmore Girls, they always just throw parties for each other all the time. It's just like one party after another, and who's, who's invited to the party is always a really important little thing, right? And if somebody, gets, and if somebody doesn't get invited to the party, it's like, ooh, a big deal, because so-and-so didn't get invited to the party. Right? This is what Jesus is talking about. There's this, kind of, there's this kind of feedback loop that happens when we just live with our own people, when we, just, when we only involve the people that we're comfortable with in our circles of hospitality. Right? Something kind of bad can happen. So Jesus says, don't just do that. 
Don't, don't just invite the people you know. Broaden the categories. Broaden uh, the, the sphere of with, within which you invite people into your life. Now, why does Jesus say this is important? Why, as Christians, are we called to do this? Because that's the question, right? Jesus says we need to do it, but why does he say we should do it? What's the reason that, as Christians, we are called to extend hospitality? We're called to extend ourselves, to warmly welcome people who might be strangers to us, as, that, as the word hospitality um, implies, because we have been shown hospitality by God. We have been shown hospitality by God, and so we must extend hospitality to others. If you have your Bibles, you can turn over to Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. This is uh, probably, actually, you can just look at the screen because this is a translation you probably don't have in front of you, but uh, from the, this is from the message, and I, I really enjoyed this translation. Uh, it says this, but don't take any of this for granted. It was only yesterday that you, that you were outsiders to God's way, had no idea of any of this. Didn't you know that the first thing about the way God works hadn't, uh, hadn't had the faintest idea of Christ? You knew nothing of that rich history of God's covenants and promises in Israel, hadn't a clue about what God was doing in the world at large. Now, because of Christ dying that death, shedding that blood, you were once out of it altogether. Uh, sorry. You, yeah, you who were once out of it altogether are in on everything, right? So you who were once out are now in is the language that this passage uses. That in some real and true sense, our motivation, the thing that motivates us to extend hospitality to others is because it was extended to us by Christ. That God in his infinite wisdom came to us, right? While we were strangers, while we were sinners, while we were alienated from God, God in some real and true sense came to us and asked, and, and it folded us into his life. If you're, a, if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, right, if you've committed your life to follow him, then in some real and true sense, Christ has come to you and shared his love with you in some real and true sense when you did not deserve it, right? We were in some real and true sense very poor and very on the outs. We were not in the biblical sense high society people, but yet Christ came to us and he exemplified the love of God by bringing his life to us, right? And in this uh, movement of hospitality that, that God had for us, we see our motivation to be hospitable to others because if you've, if you've inculcated, if you've brought into yourself this type of love, the love that was shed abroad in your heart by Christ, you can't help but share that same love with other people. You can't help but do that because you've experienced this type of hospitable love that comes from God. You cannot close off your life because your life has been opened up by the creator of the universe. We cannot be people who simply keep to ourselves when Christ crossed such a chasm to come to us. Does this make sense? 
And so what we're called to, the reason we're called to this type of beautiful, hospitable life as Christian people is because Christ, in the person, in, that God, in the person of Jesus, came to us while we were still strangers. He chose to love and reside with us, right? He came to our house, in a sense, and showed hospitality to us. And so how can we not extend that same love to others. You see, uh, part of what happens in church occasionally is that we get very comfortable with the people who are in that particular place, right? We, these are the people I'm comfortable with. I, I know these people. I'm comfortable with these people. And we forget that, that the movement of, of Jesus was from, uh, from heaven to the world, Right? And so while coming to this place and gathering together and living in community with other Christians is a vitally important thing, we cannot ever forget that uh, if we are captured by the love of Jesus, we will continue to extend that type of love and hospitality to others who are not in this place, because that is the type of love that's captured our hearts. You see, biblical hospitality is all about what you have experienced and extending that to other people. We have been shown hospitality by God, and we must extend that same hospitality to others. Now, Jesus makes this clear in the second half of our teaching text for today. Uh, verses 13 and 14, he says this, but when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will not be repaid. Uh, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So, Jesus, what's Jesus saying here? He's saying that uh, just because these the poor and the lame and the blind cannot repay you does not mean that you aren't then living in a kingdom manner. You see, in Jesus' day, there was that kind of reciprocal nature, right? You invited people over to your house; they invited people you. You invited people over to your house, you got invited back over, and it was all this kind of reciprocal relationship. It's what, it, it's what happens in any affluent society. And yet Jesus says uh, to put a, kind of, put a kind of stop to this, to not just be a person that involves the people you know in your life, but rather to extend to the other. People who have been transformed by the gospel are called to extend hospitality, now, as we said earlier, that word hospitality literally means to extend kindness to a stranger. And I think very often in our world, we don't want to do that, right? We don't want to extend kindness to people we do not know because it's scary, right? It, it, there's, there's some fear involved in that process, but yet this is what God calls us to. God calls us to this type of real and true extension of ourselves in hospitable love for others. Now, if this is what captures us, how then do we do it? How then do we actually extend hospitality? Does this mean uh, that we have to go literally out on the street after church and stop cars and invite them over to our house? Yes, that's what it means. Uh, somebody answered yes, and so I'm going with it. Uh, no, no, uh, but it, 
it does mean, it does mean that we are called to kind of, like I said earlier, expand the borders of, of what we think is uh, the, the type of people that should be coming over to our houses. And I don't just mean over to our houses. Hospitality is a far larger concept than just who you invite over for dinner. It's who you involve in your life, right? It's who you extend and share the love of God with. It's who you make feel warmly welcomed and received. You see, uh, people who don't normally come to our church, when they walk through the doors of our, I don't know, house in a sense, should, be, should feel warmly welcomed and received right? They should feel in some real and true sense that they are wanted in this place because we carry the love and hospitality of God, right? And when in your, in your work environment, people should feel, maybe people that don't deserve it, right, should feel as though they are being warmly welcomed and received, that you want them around, right? Too often, too often in our culture, we allow somebody's personality or somebody's opinion or somebody's um, something that bothers them. I was going to say B.O., but maybe you leave that person alone for a little while. If it's just junior high boys are the main problem there. But, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> all the junior high teachers say yes. Uh, but the reality is, is we are called to extend the love of God to those people. And we can't allow just our personal preference for uh, them to, to stop us from extending the love of God to them. Because in some real and true sense, God first extended his love to us. And we are called to be the hands and feet of God out in our community, communicating that type of hospitable love to other people. Does this make sense? And so we can't allow just our personal preference always to rule the day. And we also can't allow... Uh, our desire to be kind of left alone to control us, even in our own community, right? Because if Peter was, was speaking appropriately there, there is also this movement within the context of our own church here in this place to kind of keep ourselves separate from others, to not fully involve others in our lives, to not actually invite them into uh, our homes and into our lives because we, we're nervous, right? The, the truth of the matter is, this is just because we're nervous. We're just fearful of what other people might think. We're, feel, we're fearful of what, uh, what happens when I involve people in my life. We're, there's just a fear and a nervousness that is associated with that. And just pastorally for our congregation, what I want to say is, um, don't be. Just don't be. Extend yourselves to others. Invite them into your lives. Make them feel warmly welcomed and received. And if you do that, they won't care how many dirty socks they found in that corner of your bathroom. Because they will feel loved, right? And if they feel loved, there, 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 there will not be uh, any complaints about the fact that you burnt the dinner, right? Because that, in and of itself, is not what hospitality is all about. It's about something far larger than that. It's about something far more significant than that. It is about something uh, truly Christian. Jesus reorients our lives around, uh, around him, right? He reorients our lives around his character and purposes. And as followers of Jesus, what we are called to do is extend this type of hospitality. And in a culture where 
we do try to kind of try to avoid one another. If you're on the bus, you're not supposed to look at the person that's sitting next to you. Have you ever gotten into an elevator with like a very packed elevator and you just stand in the back with all the other people and you say, oh, please, nobody do anything that would, associate, that would be like talking or anything like that because we're all a bunch of random people in an elevator. Occasionally, I like to walk into those settings. I do like to do this. I'll like walk into an elevator that's packed and say, hi, my name's Nick, <laughs> and they hate it. Everybody hates it. Uh, my brothers used to get really mad at me because I would want to have conversations with the people who delivered our pizza. Like I, would need a, I needed some type of personal connection with the pizza delivery person. I, I was in Iowa City with my brothers a few years ago, and then we got a pizza, and I, and I said, hi, what's your name? How's your night going? And uh, my, my brother Cameron went, you always have to talk to him, Nick. You just don't always have to talk to him. And there's this, which is a problem I have. But, uh, but the reality is that if Christ's love has filled your heart in some real and true way, that this should be a movement, right? There should be a movement of love towards the other in your life and towards strangers. You should not be the type of person who when people come over to your house, they can't get a word in edgewise, right? This should, you should, hospitality asks questions about other people's lives. It does not just run ad nauseum about your own, right? Hospitality is this movement of in, in our hearts full of the love of God towards other people. And so, to conclude today, I just wanted to run through some really practical ways that we can be hospitable. This message is uh, theological and that it, it's rooted in the heart of God and in the scriptures, but I think in, in large part, we just need to practically take steps towards doing these things. In order to, in order to first be a hospitable people, you just need to take some practical, practical steps towards hospitality. And so, uh, I believe it's on the screen and in your notes, but I just have a couple, uh, a couple helpful hints. So, the first one is make a list of people who would be encouraged by your offer of hospitality. Now, notice that this is make a list of people who would be encouraged by your offer of hospitality. You know, there are some people who, when, we, when you offer hospitality you go to them, go, yeah, I was over last week, right? And they're not necessarily encouraged by that. But when you involve them in their lives, they feel in some real and true sense valued. Who in your life, if you ask them over to your home, would feel valued by that request, Right? Okay, that's one. Number two, make a plan to invite your first guest soon. <laughs> I think this is a, this is a rejoinder to the last one. Uh, write it down before you leave today. Who's someone that maybe, maybe you, wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't naturally invite over to your home? Maybe somebody who you wouldn't naturally invite to go play golf with you? Who's somebody that maybe you naturally wouldn't have coffee with or lunch with on your lunch break? Who is somebody that you can do that with soon, this week? Who's somebody that you can invite into your life this week or next week, right? There's someone. You can do it. All right, number three, uh, start, sim start simple. Spontaneously inviting someone home after church is a great beginning. Oh, man. Now everybody's like, I have to, I'm not ready. I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready to invite anybody over to my house after church, which is fine. You don't have to do it. You don't have to do it today, but you do have to do it next week, so... So just know, everybody's going over to somebody's house after. No, uh, invite them out to eat, right? Just spend time with people. Uh, don't just blast out the doors at the end of church, right? 
it's, it, I know it's nerve-wracking to talk to people sometimes. I've gone through periods in my life when it's been very scary to talk to people. I spent three or four years in seminary, and the only people I talked to were dead because they wrote books, and I just sat in the library, and I read them. And after that, so, sorry, this isn't the sixth sense. It's not that. Uh, because I read books by dead people. Okay, there you go. Uh, some of them were alive. But, uh, but the reality is, is that I, lo- I kind of lost my ability to really be comfortable around people. Ashley can, ver- Ashley can verify this. Like, I would avoid large groups of people because I didn't know what to think. And I, would, I had verbal tics that I developed that would like, um, interrupt conversation. It was very, it was not good. Uh, but I needed to get over that, and I needed to learn to engage people well. And it's something uh, that we're called to do. And so, uh, spontaneously inviting someone over to your home is a great place to begin, right? Okay, number four here. Pray that our, hosp- that our hospitable God, the God who displayed hospitality to us, will give you joy in demonstrating his character to others. This is a thing we need to pray about. Because the reality of our lives are that it's not easy to always display the love of God to other people. The love of God is not always the thing that's bubbling up in your heart when you run into somebody who you may or may not know, right? It's often something other than that. If you're trying to potty train your child this week, like we are, it's not always easy to be hospitable to other people when you're trying to pick your child up and rush them to the restroom, right? This is not an easy thing, but it's something we're called to. And so we need to pray that God would shed that type of love abroad in our heart. And if you're praying that he would do that, I assure you, I assure you that God will see fit to bring people to you to be hospitable to, right? If you're thinking to yourself, I can't think of anybody to involve in my life like this. Well, pray this prayer and it'll happen, I promise. And it'll probably be more uncomfortable than you want it to be, all right? So, uh, next, remember uh, that memories require time and energy to create. And I'd like to add to this, friendships require time and energy to create. We do not just randomly get friendships without effort, especially in adulthood. If there's one thing I've learned about being an adult man, it's that other adult men struggle with friendships, right? Uh, It's something that takes effort. You kind of have to ask your guy friend out occasionally, <laughs> which feels really strange, but it's true, right? That it takes effort to become friends. It takes effort to, re- to uh, create memories. It takes effort to create community. It takes effort to be hospitable, and that we are called as the people of God to put forth that type of effort because of what God has done for us. Does this make sense? And finally, uh, purpose to nurture a heart for biblical hospitality that sincerely communicates, come back soon. Uh, That one was really impactful to me. How do I, not just in my, not just with my words, right, but with my very life, communicate to people, come back soon. You're welcome in this place. You're welcome in my kind of orbit. You're, You're welcome here. Come back soon. How do we communicate that type of heart and that type of love to people? That's what it means to be hospitable in the biblical sense. And you might be asking, Nick, how does this series function with becoming well and not crazy? 
how does, uh, how does being hospitable, how does inviting people into my sphere of influence make me a more healthy, make me a more, um, a more fully orbed, a fully formed person? Well, it's very, very, very hard to be as others-focused as you, are, you need to be in order to be a person of hospitality. It's very hard uh, to be self-centered if you're doing this. It's very hard to be just thinking about you and your stuff and your junk and your questions and your concerns and your finances and your home and your yard, get off my yard, and your all of it, right? If you're thinking about others. It's very difficult. It's very, very difficult. And one of the true hallmarks of a healthy and God-honoring person is somebody who is others-focused, is somebody who puts the needs, wants, and desires of another in front of their own. And if we do this, uh, as if we kind of flex these hospitality muscles, we will naturally become it will, when I say naturally, I don't mean it won't be hard at times, but we will naturally become, over time, the type of people that God would have us to be. We will naturally become more loving, more selfless, less, less self-centered, and that will make us, well, not at quite so crazy. Does this make sense? And so today, uh, the, finally, the last thing I just want to communicate before we pray is that uh, this form of hospitality is not something that is just to be practiced uh, between followers of Jesus. It's something that we should, can and should practice with people who are not followers of Jesus. Because if God has come to us when we were far from him, we should take that love to others who are far from him right? To communicate the hospitality and love of God to those who do not know it. Now, what this means is that you should be friends with, you should be involving in your life people who you might disagree with on, on, a, on a number of levels, and you should know how to love them well. And if people who are vastly different than us should be, feel comfortable around us. They should not feel ostracized. They should not feel weird. They should not feel less than. They should feel warmly welcomed and loved. Now, sometimes uh, love requires that we tell people the truth, right? If they're being destructive. Or, uh, and it very often will lead to conversations about the person of Jesus, right? But, but, we should be about the business of cultivating these type of hospitable relationships with people who are not like us, who are different than us. And when we disagree with people, right, they should say, I, I disagree with this person, but they love me. And even after we disagreed, they said, come back soon, right? It's a beautiful example of the love of God out into our world. And it's something, as a church, we are called to do and to be. We are called to be living examples of the hospitality of God in our world, and with God's help, we can do it. Let's pray. Father, we long to be, your, be, to be known as your people, people who are defined by your name and by your character. And so today, God, we ask that you would help us to be a more hospitable people,
that you would make us others focused, that we would not be so concerned with what's happening in our life or in our home or with our friends, God, but that we would be centered, focused on others, that we would learn to love and extend uh, the love of God to those who maybe haven't experienced it before, that we would, we would extend the love of God to the poor, that we would extend the love of God to the disenfranchised, that we would extend the love of God to the people who we don't agree with, that we would extend the love and hospitality of God to those whom we have not met yet. Jesus, would you help us to embody your heart to be a hospitable people, to practice the art of hospitality, and to not be so concerned that everything on our end is perfect, so long as we love and welcome the stranger into our midst. Jesus, we pray all this in your name today. Help us to be your people. Amen and amen. Go today in the grace and the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ.